This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. The Pest Buzz with Dad and Dawn. Well, welcome, pest enthusiasts, to another exciting episode of The Pest Buzz. I'm Gary. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Dawn, and we're going to do another captivating instalment of our radio show. Yes, we're going to be talking about possums. The story of possums in New Zealand is a unique chapter in our country's history, one that began with ambitious hopes from our early European settlers. In 1837, the settlers introduced possums into the land with a vision of establishing a thriving fur industry. That's right. That's hard to say, isn't it? <laughs> thriving fur industry. However, you know, the initial attempts to establish a pers- possum... <laughs> possum. <laughs> possum fur industry were met with challenges. And so those first introduced animals actually didn't survive in their new environment. So they just kept trying and trying. The determination of the settlers persevered and further attempts were made. Yeah, and unfortunately for us, the persistence paid off. Mm. They established a possum population here in New Zealand in Southland in in 1858. And that's the turning point for the history of possums in New Zealand. At that point, they just started to take over the country. And it doesn't end there, because by 1921... Recognising the potential ecological repercussions of introducing these non-native species, the government took action and enacted a law to halt the importation of more possums. But unfortunately, it was just a little too late. Sometimes I wish we had a time machine and we could go back and say, don't bring those darn possums in here. And, you know, sometimes you say, let's just let them take over and they can be our new mascot. I do say that sometimes. I say, let's replace the kiwi with a possum and we'll save millions. But anyway, the population took root and it spread. And by 1946, it escalated to the point where the opossum was officially declared a pest in New Zealand. The aftermath of this declaration was pretty swift. And so by 1950, possums had managed to extend their territory, establishing themselves in over half of New Zealand's regions. Their spread was a cause of concern and the nation had to grapple with finding ways to manage this invasive species. Yeah, the story of the possum in New Zealand really vividly illustrates the delicate balance between humans and the complexities of our ecosystem. Uh, Back in the 1800s, they didn't think about that. They just thought, oh, let's bring possums in and we can have fur. They brought in moose, they brought zebras in. I saw a list in the Canterbury Museum of all the animals they brought in. It will shock you. But the hopeful hopeful vision soon led to basically a disaster for New Zealand's nature. Yeah, it's a real good reminder that our actions have far-reaching consequences, and understanding this historical context helps shed light on the efforts we're making today to preserve and protect New Zealand's unique environment. Let's have a look at the extent of their spread then and the impact they've had on the different reasons, because I think this will blow everyone away. Yeah, we've learned how they came. They're brought by European settlers. But it's fascinating to see how the invasion unfolded across the country. Fiordland and Northland stand as intriguing examples because these were the two areas 
that were the last strongholds on mainland New Zealand to be invaded by possums. In fact, back in the 60s, Northland had hardly any possums at all. You remember the 60s, don't you? I do, I do. I remember when we were uh, young in the 60s, it was very common to trap possums as get a way to get pocket money. So from 1960s to the 1990s, the situation really changed. It was a dramatic transformation. The population in Northland surged from non-existent mm. to 10 to 15 million possums. Wow, that's huge. And, but that's not all. If we rewind a wee bit to the 80s, when possum numbers reached their peak, during that decade, New Zealand witnessed a population boom with an estimated 50 to 70 million of these creatures roaming our country. And as I mentioned before, there was an unexpected economic activity that developed from this. Many people found themselves trapping them. Many schoolboys were busy doing that all the time in the 60s and 70s with hunting possums for fur. Okay. Did you ever do any? No, no, I didn't, no. I was probably a little bit young. Okay. Well, look, here's a surprising tidbit from history. Throughout the 70s, prices for possum skins were quite lucrative. Trappers enjoyed really good returns for their efforts. In the pinnacle year of 1981, which proved to be the best year for trappers, a staggering 3.2 million possum skins were exported. And I was looking at some numbers the other day on the internet, and for an extra large possum skin, you can get $22 for it today. Well, that's still very good money, isn't it's it? It's not bad. Yeah. It shows you just how the ecology and economy can be brought together. So as the number of possums soar, so did the opportunities to make some dollars. Yeah. It's a reminder of the complex interactions that shape our environment and society. And as we continue our exploration of possums in New Zealand, we'll uncover more layers of their impact and the efforts taken to manage this really intricate relationship. You mentioned the price of fur before. Mm. Of course, that would be for a, a desirable colour and very good quality. Yes. But they have a variety of colours. They have a silver grey, a brown, a black, and even a, a gold colour. And very rare, but has, has been seen, there have been albino possums as well, which really looks stunning. They really do. And let's not forget one of the distinctive features that set the brush tail possum apart, and that's their tails. Because they're not just ordinary tails, like a dog. They're bushy and prehensile. Do you know what prehensile means? No idea. <laughs> it allows possums to deftly navigate the trees uh, that they're living in and moving through, and it helps them grasp onto trees like a finger or a hand. And as you said before, I actually actually like possums, and uh, I advocate replacing the kiwi <laughs> <laughs> with a possum. Not seriously, but uh, I think it, it may happen on its own accord anyway. But... Uh, when we look at them, they're actually quite a charming creature. And in their right habitat, they really are a welcomed animal, for example, in Australia. They have pointed ears. They have a very keen sense of hearing. And they can hear any little sound around in their, in their areas. Yeah, they do. Yeah, their bodies are very similar to a cat. Like if you'd never seen a possum before and you just got a quick glance of it, you might think that you just saw a cat. So their bodies are measuring between 30 and 50 centimetres and they boast a unique blend of compactness and agility. Their tails extend from between 24 to 40 centimetres, and like I said before, play a pivotal role in maintaining their balance as they uh, race up and down those trees. And they may be the size of a cat, but I think they're at least 10 times tougher. Mm, they really are. They are, are. super tough animals. Yep. Yeah. They can have a variety in weight, 
1.5 kilograms to 4.5 kilograms. It just depends on the environment and how they adapt to their environment. And of course, don't forget possums are marsupials. This means that the female possums have a pouch, a characteristic that marsupials are well known for. And so it's within this pouch that they nurture and protect their young, adding yet another layer of wonder to their biology. Yeah. So all these physical attributes of the bushtail possum really makes us see that they're amazing animals. And while we don't want them here in New Zealand, we can still respect that they're a very interesting and a complex animal. Certainly, I think, as an active hunter of possums myself, that is definitely how I think about them when I'm going out there uh, in the dark and uh, removing them from, you know, our parks and reserves, for example. You know, it's a, it's a very good reminder that even the smallest details have a story to tell, and these possums are no exception. They've established them some, themselves across the expanse of our gorgeous country. They seek out shelter and nourishment that our diverse landscapes offer. They're not picky. So wherever there's a comfortable den and a lot of food, that's where you'll find them. That's right. They're very adaptable. Their arboreal lifestyle is a testament to that. At our little lifestyle block, we have a macrocarpa hedge, and I'm sure it's full of possums. And our little dog, he just sits the whole evening barking at them. <laughs> He's such super a pain. resourceful, resourceful creatures. <laughs> yeah. He is such a pain, that's for sure. <laughs> I know. And when it comes to food, possums are quite the connoisseurs. They have a versatile palate. They dine on a range of seasonal treats, leaves, buds, flowers, fruit, and berries, all locally sourced from our native plants. And all of these things serve as a delectable feast for them. Yes, they're really adventurous foodies. They like to graze on grass, as you mentioned, trees. It's a, a symphony of activity, you could say, feasting under the nocturnal moonlight. You know, they do have a peculiar habit, which is actually very good for me when I'm out there hunting them. Mm -hmm. And that is the fact that they follow the same trails all the time. And in doing that, they create these distinctive flattened paths, about 20 to 30 centimetres wide. And these well-trodden routes or routes guide them through their habitats, leaving that obvious mark on the landscape, making it very easy for me to find them and figure out where they are and where they're going. And don't forget their nesting behaviours. Mm. In forested areas, they create little cosy homes with an average range of about 200 metres around the nest. And they're quite cunning too. They establish multiple nest sites to ensure that they've got a snug retreat to uh, hide in. Yeah. They also have favourites. So they have favourite trees that they go to time and time again. And they be a witness to their visit. So that's another sign that I'm looking for when I'm out there in the bush or in the parks is trees marked up by scratch scars and also the telltale signs of heavy browsing on leaves and fruit. They'll just totally strip something bare. You know, Dawn, there's another peculiar uh, thing about possums. What? They have an aversion to wet weather. Oh, like me. <laughs> like, that's exactly right, yes. And this quirk plays to our advantage as well because... They don't want to go out in the rain, and then they don't like dampness, so it's particularly effective to hunt them during the summer months and warmer weather. Okay. You know, the more we uncover, the more we see their intricate dance with the environment that they inhabit. Their habits, preferences, and idiosyncrasies paint a vivid portrait of these urban intruders. I personally like hunting them in the winter, and the reason for that is because all the leaves have dropped off. Mm -hmm in the autumn, and it makes them a lot easier to see up there. Yep, yep. I do the same in our little lifestyle block. I put out the uh, possum bait stations in the apple trees when the apples are gone. Because, oh, yeah. Because they, 
want to go back there for food and they'll eat my bait. You know? Yeah. Yeah, so they truly are a marvellous animal. You know, they live in the city, they live in our parks. I mean, we have taken hundreds of possums out of the park. I mean hundreds of I possums. It just blows me away the amount of possums living there mm. in our urban environment. Yeah. Well, why don't we unveil a side of their story that highlights the far-reaching impact they have then on our native flora and fauna in these urban environments that you were just talking about and, you know, our large-scale economic landscape. Yeah. So we looked at the habitats and the traits of a possum, mm. but the real issue here is the ecological ripple effect. If possums didn't bother our native animals, it wouldn't be a problem. Mm. But they are insatiable in their appetites. They have a direct impact on the survival of some of our most treasured native species. It's a revelation that shifts our perspective. And I know that there are some people out here that don't believe us. Mm -hmm. But back in 1993, possums were caught on camera devouring the eggs and chicks of the endangered kōkako, which is a sobering testament to their voracious nature. Yeah. It's heartbreaking to see those videos. We see the possum eating the chicks or eggs of kiriru, kiwi, harrier hawk, fantail, mutton birds, tui. It's been documented, and it's, there's no doubt that this is what occurs. You know, the consequence of this predation is a direct depletion of our native bird populations. But the impact doesn't stop there, because possums also have a taste for the nectar and berries that these birds rely on for sustenance. This means less food available for our birdie friends, and this creates, as you said before, a ripple effect throughout our ecosystem. That's right. It's a delicate balance with birds who depend on fruit of, of uh, plants will eat at different times of the year, and possums have managed to tip the balance against our birds because they create holes in the food cycle for them so the birds will starve at that time of the year. That's right. And it goes a wee bit beyond our ecological tapestry as well because possums also carry a disease known as bovine TB or tuberculosis. And they carry this and they can spread that to cattle. And so it doesn't only affect our agriculture sector but poses risks to human health as well. That's right. And the toll on farms is huge. Yeah. Because of their insatiable eating habits, they eat the pasture and the food that is there for our farm animals and has a significant financial impact. They estimate that it's a $35 million a year loss. Wow, that's staggering. Doesn't end there either, would you believe? The New Zealand government invests over $110 million annually in possum control efforts. I mean, it's probably even more than that now that we've got the predator-free 2050 movement happening. Yeah, so there's the magnitude of the impact of possums in our environment, our economy, and our efforts to preserve this unique biodiversity that we have is, is very important to know about. So we'll continue our journey and unravel more layers of the possum story. We'll shed light on the solutions and the strategies that are being employed to control this complex issue. All right. Let's dive into the practical aspects of managing these urban intruders then. I mean, we know we've got them in the bush but we also have them in very large numbers in our backyards, basically. Okay, yeah, we want to have the knowledge that equips us to make a positive change. Yes, and we can be part of the change. One tried and true, one tried and true method is mm -hmm. trapping. So regular trapping is a powerful tool in the battle against possums. Did you know that possums actually are attracted to visual lures? Okay. Particularly those in the shade of blue or white. Yeah. And they like fresh fruit and peanut butter. 
and they, well, especially if it's sprinkled with sugar, it serves as an irresistible enticement. And for anyone looking for an alternative approach to trapping, it's not always the nicest way to get rid of something. You can use toxins in a bait station. Regular baiting helps maintain possum numbers at manageable levels, and you can strategically move them around um, to align with the seasonal availability of food sources. And this is what you were talking about down on the farm in Invercargill that you do, isn't it? Yes, and we use different traps. We've had very good success with Tim's traps. Oh, yes. They can be uh, set on the ground. But if it's not safe to put them on the ground because of maybe cats or children, they can be set in a tree. Good nature traps were used for possums, but they're not seen to be available anymore for no, possums. they don't make them. But the AT220, that's a good trap. It's a very good trap. It's self-setting, automated trap. Very successful. And, of course, you have the old-fashioned leg hold traps. Yes, which I don't love. But in large-scale bush areas, they are super effective. I recently saw a uh, webinar delivered by Cam Speedy. Oh, yeah. And Cam Speedy is an expert trapper, and he discussed all the tactics and methods he uses to improve possum trapping and stoat and weasel trapping. It was very interesting. It is, isn't it? Well worth looking up his webinars if you can. Yes, well, you can go to the predatorfreenewzealand.org website, and on there, you'll see webinars and information about trapping. And I wonder if Kim Speedy might like to come on our show one day. Oh, we'd like to invite him. Yes, we should, yeah. really. And if you're residing in a rural area, then night shooting is an option. But it does require a regularity. You have to do it frequently. And, of course, you have to follow very strict safety protocols. Yes, you do. So you'd use a spotlight, a 22 or a high-powered air rifle, and maybe even a thermal scope. Make sure you inform the police of what you're doing, let them know, and of course, you will need a firearms license. Yes, definitely, especially if you're using a PCP rifle. Yeah. So that's what we use in the field, PCP rifles, thermal imaging, infrared scopes, and it just makes the job a whole lot easier. Yeah, we have some very interesting video footage of that. Yes. If, if you're interested in that, we can uh, share that with you. Yes, go to www.elitepestcontrol.co.nz. That's and then right. under possums, we've got some videos and pictures of how we go about doing that. And another really crucial element to remember to do is collect that data. Monitoring and evaluate the results of our control methods are paramount. And if you can track outcomes, you can gauge the effectiveness of our efforts and start making informed decisions about the type of trapping or the type of toxins you use, whether or not you can use firearms here, and then adjust our approach. Yeah. So we just want to continually to improve and adapt to the effective control of possums. So as we wrap up our exploration, we encourage you all to embrace your role in this really difficult task of preserving our environment and curbing the impact of, while the wonderful creatures, the possums just don't do any good in New Zealand for our nature. They don't belong here. And every action, no matter how small, contributes to a bigger picture of conservation and protection. So we hope your journey through the world of possums has inspired you to take a step toward creating a more harmonious coexistence between humans and nature. Have you got creepy crawly scurrying through your house? Or is your problem a bit bigger? Well, we can help. Being Canterbury owned and operated for 10 years means we've learnt a thing or two about our local invaders. We use non-toxic chemicals to provide a healthy environment for you and your family while evicting those nasties. 
and satisfaction is guaranteed. So eliminate the problem quickly and safely. For a full range of services, visit our website, elitepestcontrol.co.nz. Yes, thank you for joining us. And uh, from all of us here, stay curious, stay informed, and continue making a difference. Listen to the Pest Buzz on the first Monday of every month at 9am on Plains FM 96.9. Subscribe to the Pest Buzz on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or check them out on plainsfm.org.nz.